Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to day 16 of our 21 day challenge. We're in the home stretch, y'all. Um, we are doing 21 days walking and talking about all things adults on the autism spectrum. Today has been pre-recorded. Um, we're going to talk about alternatives to conservatorship um, and what you can do when planning for the future for um, your loved ones on the spectrum. Um, and also just to kind of think about while you're um, aging and, and growing older too, um, about long-term planning, you know, special needs trusts, power of attorney, conservatorships, um, wills, social security, ticket to work, um, and, and benefits consultations and all of those things that you're, you're um, presented. Um, but I really wanna spend some time today talking about alternatives to conservatorship. So I am Kendrice Colbrook. I'm the executive director of Autism Breakthrough. Um, and I just want to remind all of our listeners today that this walk and talk is done in conjunction with our annual um, 5K race. This year we had to take it virtual. Um, so you can sign up to be a part of our virtual race at www.runsignup.com and type in autism breakthrough in the search engine. Um, please you know, share this with your friends, share this with your family members. Um, and, and we have the hashtags, hashtag 21 for 21 to celebrate breakthrough 21 years and our 21 day challenge and hashtag autism breakthrough. So we see it, um, we, we've loved your feedback so far. So keep it coming. Okay. Let's get into um, alternatives to conservatorship. I want to give a brief overview of what, um, I want to start out with what conservatorship is. Um, but I also want to give the disclaimer first. I'm not an attorney. This is by no means legal advice. Um, I understand that each family has a unique circumstance. Uh, and I just want to provide a little bit of information um, so that you can make an informed decision regarding that. Okay, so conservatorship is basically um, a legal rep uh, relationship between a competent adult uh, and an adult who's 18 and up. And, and that's usually known as conservator. So the court will give the conservator specific authority and duty to act on behalf of the individual um, who is the subject of this and making special types of decision that affects that person's life. Um, conservatorship can provide partial or full supervision, um, protection, and assistance, but the court in that situation maintains authority. Um, so uh, when you think of conservatorship versus guardianship, the difference is the age. Um, guardianship describes a legal relationship between parents and children um, until that child turns 18. So when they turn 18, guardianship is no longer in effect. Um, all adults that are legally competent um, and have the right to make decisions about their lives, um, and we want to presume competence when we're thinking about the adults with autism um, in our lives, um, but conservatorship is not mandatory. It's not something that you have to do um, for adults with disabilities, and it, it is a legal decision made by the judge. And what the judge does in that situation is declares that person 
um, incompetent and, and it limits their rights. So some of the alternatives, you know, should be considered before we, we take it to that step um, moving forward. We, we really want that to be the last resort if possible. Um, because at that point they become, you know, sort of like a ward of the court and their rights are taken away. And it's really, really difficult to get those rights back. Um, and that's something to consider when you're thinking about conservatorship um, because it, it, it only transfers, you know, specific areas and, and rights to the conservator, but they are really difficult to, to return um, if there's an increase in functioning, if there's an increase in understanding and capability um, that we often see with, with application and opportunity. So big things to think about. Um, the other thing to think about though is uh, conservatorship is, is specific. It is very specific about which rights are removed. Um, and you know, it's my hope that we do preserve as many rights um, to decision-making as we possibly can. Um, but the conservator in that situation, in that instance, um, must, they have the burden, they have the responsibility of making decisions based on what that person would choose. Um, and, you know, any adult has a right to make bad decisions. And I don't know if conservators would, would allow bad decisions to be made. So we have to allow some dignity of risk there, um, if possible. But the court in conservatorship um, cases, they, they seek to um, determine the incapacity um, of the individual. So they look at medical records that would show that they may be, um, may have difficult making, difficulty making decisions. They will look at psychological evaluations, no matter how old, they'll go all the way back to age three or four and you're faced with someone that's 40 years old. Um, and those things may not be relevant, but they want to look at that. They go back and look at those things. Um, they request them and any other relevant information. Um, if they want behavior data, if they want um, anything, they, the court can subpoena those records. Um, so that's, that's important to remember when you're considering something like conservatorship um, or any evidence, the court will look for any evidence that basically shows that the person lacks ability or capacity to handle um, really big, three big things, um, personal decisions, money, um, and, and matters related to their health. So let's see. Um, hmm. So thinking about financial um, alternatives to conservatorship, um, there are a lot of them out there and Breakthrough is, um, Breakthrough participates in providing one of these alternatives to conservatorship. We are rep payees um, for some people. So a rep payee is an administrator um, that is over government issue checks only. So you're thinking social security and um, Medicaid and whatever. Um, the money must be used to benefit that individual and the rep payee, as we call it, must account for the use of money. I mean, down to the cent. Um, and then no court, there are no court costs to become a rep payee. So you can become someone's rep payee um, so that they can have that financial independence um, 
provided to them or, or afforded to them if that's something that they're interested in. We even have rep pay relationships where we not only manage um, government issued checks, but we also help with their paychecks or with their um, to make sure that their uh, food stamp cards or um, what have you are managed properly, um, you know, with, with their input. So it's, it's a really great process to see over time people taking a little bit more responsibility in their finances. Um, there's the option of joint property ownership. Um, I would say approach that with caution. You, you have to be careful with that um, and make sure that the taxes and you know gift to income tax um, doesn't trigger any issues with um, social security um, if, if, if you're a recipient of that. Um, and also know that any financial decisions with that um, or any financial problems would impact um, both owners. Other alternatives to conservatorship financially um, would be a joint bank account. You can um, monitor it. I would say, once again, approach it with caution. You definitely have to have trust with that person. Um, but having a limited bank account um, or small amount that you know, will give an allowance rather than just holding all the funds um, could be helpful in, in teaching those skills. Um, and the other financial um, alternative to uh, financial conservatorship would be a special needs trust. Um, it protects the money and property from mismanagement. Um, the person, person remains eligible for benefits, so it doesn't count um, as income from Social Security, regardless of you know, what the payout amounts are for the special needs trust. Um, it is a legal plan and it has to be executed by an attorney um, and um, it may eliminate the need for conservatorship. You can still plan a financial um, secure future um, with that plan and, and not have to worry about it and have the, um, the trust manage um, what it needs to. Um, the other thing, when you think about alternatives to conservatorship, there's something called a durable power of attorney. Um, this is revocable. So the durable power of attorney gives it authority to make decisions on behalf of another person. Um, and it can be used for education, decision making and um, different things like that. But the um, premise of this, the the pillars of this, the person must be considered competent when the document is signed. Um, so this power of attorney allows the um, person who holds the power of attorney to endorse and deposit checks, open bank accounts, um, sign a lease, admit them to the hospital, um, agree or refuse health care, um, buy or sell property, file tax returns. Um, but, but those things can change. It's not as consuming as a conservatorship. Um, and then for medical concerns, the durable power of attorney um, can also facilitate that. Um, there's always a living will or, or healthcare directives um, that spell out medical treatment um, that the person does or does not want to receive um, when they can't communicate the information in the event of a medical emergency. Um, and doctors will honor that, that document. Um, there's another thing called a healthcare surrogate, um, and this is for medical situations only. But um, the treating physician 
uh, can appoint someone to make decisions. So, um, or a healthcare surrogate, you know, is typically selected in the order of spouse, child, parent, or step parent. Um, but this person is someone who definitely has to know about um, the person's disability and be actively involved with them and, uh, you know, over time to have that constant contact so that when they're, you know, in those situations, they can speak up and be an advocate um, and help and be willing, really, and able to make critical medical decisions and, and make decisions in that person's best interest and, and really have no conflicts with the person. That's that's really important when you're thinking about medical decisions. Um, but my favorite, my favorite alternative to conservatorship um, is supported decision-making, supported decision-making. Um, it's a nationally recognized process and it allows people with um, intellectual and developmental disabilities retain their decision-making rights um, by choosing trusted supporters to help them understand situations um, and, and choices that to, you know, gives them the choice to make their own decisions, um, like an informed choice. Um, but it's, it's very much supported by what we call the circle of support. And it preserves their rights um, and gives them the tools to understand and communicate their own choices. So a supported decision-making process, um, I guess kind of a, a framework or an example, um, it uses plain language or materials in, in visual or auditory forms. Um, 3D models even, you know, sometimes like, okay, this is your house here. Um, you're going to move across town here. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, using whatever forms of communication that we can um, to inform the person that's making the decision, um, whom the decision affects the most, to help them make a, make a better decision on, on what they want to do. So um, supported decision-making also gives extra time to discuss choices we're prepping before the choices are made. Um, we're, we're approaching them at different angles. We're, we're bringing it to them in the meeting, but we're also talking about it at dinner um, to see if their perspective has changed at all. Um, making a list of the pros and the cons, okay? The pros of moving across town. I have a bigger backyard, it's closer to a bus line, it's closer to mom and dad. Um, the cons, my room's smaller, I have to share a bathroom. Um, you know, the neighbor has chickens that get on my nerves early in the morning. You know, listing the pros and cons um, of those decisions, whatever they may be, and even role-playing um, activities to help that person understand the choices that they make. If you role play of, you know, hey, let's go buy this place and see how you like it. Let's walk around the neighborhood um, and, and see what we see. And even with supported decision-making, um, bringing someone to um, appointments, bringing someone to the table to take notes and to help them, especially someone that, that's trusted, um, to help them discuss options and, and decide for themselves. So um, supportive decision-making is very important when we're thinking about um, independence and um, autonomy um, for people with disabilities um, and for adults with autism. We want to try those things 
um, I definitely encourage you to try those things first before um, considering conservatorship. Because, you know, supported decision-making, is, is, it kind of shifts the paradigm a little bit. It, it shifts our expectations from, well, they're incapable of making this decision to a higher expectation of, I think they could make this decision with some support. We want to try that first. Um, and, you know, people, people with autism have expectations of, of living independently a lot of times um, and in the community and getting jobs and pursuing, you know, higher education um, and any other opportunities that interest them. Um, we want to focus on their abilities and on their gifts and, and not focus so much on the limitations. Um, and increasingly, you know, we see some, some more self-determined and self-directed uh, actions when we give people the tools to really engage and, and make decisions for themselves. It opens up a whole new world, whole new world. Um, so how does that fit into all of this um, alternatives? Um, supported decision-making definitely protects the civil rights um, of the person. It keeps the power of making decisions in their hands um, to the maximum extent. It, it supports their self-determination, their self-direction, um, I dare say self-confidence as well. Um, and people who are you know, more self-determined, confident, and happy, they tend to be healthier. They tend to be more independent. They tend to um, do better adjusting with the ups and downs and, and transitioning with change um, and, and more likely to resist um, some of the things, some of the misuses of conservatorship that we see um, that can be, can lend themselves to abuse or exploitation or um, even in some instances neglect um, because you know conservators don't always have time to um, tend to immediate needs so there's a process for that if there's an um, uh, an absent conservator I would say um, and that happens unfortunately so the the best practices for this what can advocates do to um, increase their awareness and to um, consider um, some alternatives to conservatorship is, is planning. It all comes down to planning. Um, I think uh, one of my coaches back in high school is they used to say, if you, you fail to plan, you plan on failing, uh, you plan to fail, something to that extent. Um, and that's so true. So we want to plan ahead um, and, and start this process early, as much as early as we can, to include the person in the conversations. Um, bring the circle of support to the table and say, hey, we want to support, you know, this person in making some more decisions for themselves. What are, what are some of the things that are important to them? And what are the, some of the things that are important for them? And, and sharing, what does everyone need to know in order to um, be effective in supporting someone? What are the pros and cons of all of the options? Are we considering all of the options? Do we need to bring an expert in? Do we need to bring an attorney in? Um, and, and how can we kind of braid these resources? How can we use more than one and fit, fitting the puzzle pieces together, if you will, um, to tailor 
you know, the, the, the decisions to the individual's capacity and the individual's competence um, and the individual's um, desire to actually handle some of these things. Uh, and this is a complex matter. Um, when you consider competency and the, the many layers of, of decisions that we make and is this the decisions made, are they, um, are they consistent with their life um, and with the life that they want to live? And are there consequences and risk of the decisions that are made? Yeah, sure, for sure. Um, and would they know how to get assistance in making those decisions? Definitely something to consider. Um, but I think the best solutions are the ones that are the most simple. Um, oftentimes, it's the least restrictive ones that, that go over the best with, with all that are involved. So definitely something to consider when you're being an advocate and uh, being active in someone's life who... Um, who may need your help, and that's okay. Um, let's see, what else? Conservatorship. Um, when you're thinking about conservatorship and the alternatives um, and, and potentially making conservatorship a last result, um, I recommend, and this is not legal advice, by the way, disclaimer, um, that it, it's, it only addresses where the person needs support. And what I mean by that, um, if they only need support in medical care when they're sick or injured, um, don't do financial conservatorship too, just because you're already doing it. Um, or if they need um, decision-making conservatorship, but they can do some other things like paying their bills when the bill comes, um, kind of limited to what is needed. Um, important thing to remember as well, that conservatorship doesn't remove some basic human rights, you know, like being treated with dignity and respect. Um, it doesn't remove that. It doesn't remove um, their right to privacy and, and confidentiality. It doesn't remove their right to exercise control over parts of their life, um, you know, that are not delegated to a conservator. Um, it, it does not control choices and preferences and opinions. Um, conservatorship, you know, doesn't remove um, equal treatment under the law you know, or, or safe living conditions in, in a least restrictive environment. So keep that in mind, um, keep that in mind. I just wanna leave that right there. Um, but um, as educators and as um, advocates and as mentors and as friends and as moms and as dads and as people, um, adults on the autism spectrum, young adults on the autism spectrum, whoever's listening today, um, when you're advocating for someone, um, make sure you listen to both sides, try to be neutral. Um, you know, where I stand, I try to tell families, um, try not to tell families, you need conservatorship, you gotta get that or else, you know, whatever. No, you don't have to do that. There are 
alternatives out there. Um, and we want to make sure that you have accurate information um, when you're making decisions um, and when you're trying to figure out what long-term planning needs to happen in order to best support the person um, across their lifespan. And one of the, the best resources that I have found um, in East, East Tennessee is the ARC, the ARC of Tennessee. Um, they have what's called a community resource specialist in the East Grand Region. Um, and that person is Billy Warsham. Um, so if you want to contact Billy, um, his email is bwarsham, W-O-R-S-H-A-M, at the ARC, T-H-E-A-R-C-T-N dot org. Bwarsham at the ARC, T-N dot org. Um, they have a, a wonderful, you know, resource linkage um, program um, that will help you um, figure out what's what's the best um, decision to make and, and what things to pursue um, for your family members, your friends, or yourself. Um, if you're listening to this today, um, their website is www.thearctn.org. That's www.thearctn.org. So I hope this has helped um, everybody a little bit today. I'm sorry that it's kind of lecture style. Um, we had uh, cancellation at the last minute, but I did want to reach out to you all um, and give you a little bit more information about conservatorship and alternatives to conservatorship and, and get long-term planning and, and, and preparations on your mind. Um, so definitely something to think about um, for adults as they age um, on the spectrum. So um, once again, this is our uh, day 16 of our 21 day challenge. I'm Kendrys Colebrook. Um, I am inviting you all to walk and talk with me. Make sure you're being safe. If you do this in groups, make sure you social distance and wear a mask um, and be aware of your surroundings. Um, you can uh, link to us, um, www.breakthroughknoxville.org. That's our website. Check us out on there. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can find us there as well. Um, if you're interested in um, our 5K, our virtual 5K, we will be doing this through the end of November. Um, so you can sign up at runsignup.com and type in Autism Breakthrough in the search engine. And once you register for that, um, you'll be mailed a cool um, breakthrough t-shirt. It's a long sleeve tee, 50-50 blend. It's the good stuff. Um, in, in celebration of that and in support of adults with autism. Thank you all so much for listening today and we'll see you on tomorrow.